0: I mean, I, I would give absolute unequivocal support to our police uh, and what they do uh, and what they've been doing over the last week. You
1: have no concerns about any of the police's uh, tactics in the last week?
0: No, no. They've, they
1: they they A woman being punched in the face? They, they, right?
0: they, they have been um, amazingly
1: restrained. Welcome to Bristol Unpacked Local Election Special 2021. On May the 6th, Bristol will be going to the polls to elect people to run our city. The Bristol Mayor, all 70 local councillors, a police and crime commissioner and the West of England Mayor. I will be sitting down with the main candidates for Bristol Mayor, helping you decide who to lend your vote to in the race for City Hall. My conversations will be informed by cable readers who have contributed key topics and questions to our Citizens Agenda project. My approach is to be free-flowing, have a conversation to find out who they are, what they say they will do and the political beliefs that guide them. Think less Andrew Neil, maybe a bit more Louis Farouk. i have a bit of fun with them along the way, find out a bit about them and challenge them when necessary. Here goes. first of our mayoral election specials we talked to the conservative party candidate alistair watson a former lord mayor in 2014 he was previously a councillor for westbury on trim he lives in redland and is a project manager and business consultant we talked to him about what changes he would bring to the city and touch upon some of the big issues that have been breaking in the news in bristol in this last week I hope you're not going to stand down after talking to me because the last Tory mayoral candidate I spoke to, Samuel Williams, within three days, he announced he was no longer standing and switch to uh, be Metro Mayor. You're not going to do that, are you? You're not going to stand down after talking to me? Well, I
0: don't think so. But we'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> by the time we get to the end of this. I didn't know you were responsible for that. But,
1: uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I ever. I'm being paranoid. <laughs> I mean, whether it's a coincidence, it was literally about two to three days afterwards. <laughs> so you've come off the subs bench.
0: I think in rugby, they call them the finishers. You know, they're not the subs. You know, we've still got the yeah. energy and we can still yeah. get that try over the line.
1: So you've come in as a as a stronger and better yeah, yeah. replacement yeah, than Samuel, yeah? yeah.
0: <laughs> no, Samuel's a great guy, but uh, he saw a different opportunity and uh, I don't blame him for that.
1: And what made you put your, did you put your name forward? Were you approached? What was the process?
0: Uh, I put my name forward, actually. It, it was just one of those sort of moments where, you know, Red Mist sort of comes down and you think, yeah, I'll go for that. My wife was a bit miffed because she thought I was retiring at this stage. Of, uh, oh, my oh, dear.
1: Okay. And it's not your first stint into politics, is it? You've been a councillor. You were Lord Mayor in 2014, is yeah, that right? Yeah,
0: 2014, 15, yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. been a parliamentary candidate twice. Yeah, so about 30 years in politics in various roles. I think coming from being a councillor, and you know, I was a cabinet member under George and I've I've done all the scrutiny mm. and stuff. I think it helps. I think it really, really helps because you see the time and effort councillors put into their work and and I respect their role. And I don't think that, you know, George nor Marvin have really respected the role of how the council
1: members work. You were a councillor of Westbury on Trim. I was. Which is obviously quite a, I know it borders, <laughs> save me, but it's quite an affluent part of the city. Do you feel confident that you can connect with Hartcliffe, North West, St Paul's, etc.? Do you feel you have the sort of experience to connect?
0: Yeah, and you have to come from somewhere, don't you? You know, we do have quite a divide around the city. And, you know, that's one of the issues. We've got some very affluent areas and some very deprived areas. But I think so, you know, I, I think I can connect with anybody. I'm that sort of person. But, um, you know, I I do come from, from perhaps more comfortable background at the moment. You know, although, you know, when you look back in my background, it's not as though, um, you know, I've come from landed gentry or anything like that.
1: Where have you come from? Did you grow up in the city?
0: Uh, No, I didn't grow up in the city. I I grew up in Lancashire, actually.
1: You're obviously a Conservative Party candidate. Do you have a particular leadership style? Would you be more Maggie Thatcher or John Major? (laughs) What what would you be?
0: I'd I'd certainly be more John Major than Margaret Thatcher. I think John Major was quite a a collaborative sort of person. When you look back at his time on council before he became an MP, People from all parties said what a good leader of council he was. And actually, you know, when, when I left the council in Bristol, there were a lot of people in the other parties who said, well, you know, we can work with this guy and, and he works in that way. So if, if I were to be mayor of Bristol, I would certainly bring back the idea of a rainbow cabinet. You know, there are good people in all parties. They're experts. They're people that work
1: really, really hard for the city. And that that's one of the key criticisms of the current mayor, the, the previous mayor George Ferguson did have a rainbow cabinet, which you were you were a member of as a councillor. Yeah, why do you think he hasn't? <laughs> or why do you think why do you think he suddenly changed it so quickly after coming into power?
0: Well, I, I don't know is the answer to that, but I would think it was probably a political decision. He does have quite a lot of um, people within his office, like um, you know Kevin Slocum and people like that. But, you know, I w- I would think would say, look. You know, we're, we're a Labour council. We want to push through socialist ideas. You know why we got these guys. I, I would, I would expect that. But you'd have to ask him that question. It's just mm. looking from outside.
1: So, on a recent interview you did on BCFM, you did refer to the mayor's inner circle as him and his cronies <laughs> or, or or cronyism. Yeah, who who, who did you mean? Uh, well, what did you mean? And, and who who did you mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's got two sets of of people that he goes to. He's he's got his. He's got his inner circle, his, his sort of city office. You know, George had about, well, he had two people, I think, in his office. Now, now Marvin's got about 11 and they're paid about three times as much. You know, he's he's got a big organisation there of people that are political that we're paying for, actually, as part of our council tax. And I wasn't actually referring to them. He's got this other thing called the city office, which he's brought together. Groups of people, and some of them from business, some of them from charities, some of them from interest groups and pressure groups and and so on and so forth and those are what I call his cronies because you know if you 've got a bit of power, people will come and say yes to you you know that 's what that 's what I mean by it. and and the reason I, I said it, and the reason I was niggling him a bit is because I really think it it goes against my democratic instincts. We have people yeah. in this city who are properly voted in. And they're called councillors. And they have a democratic mandate. You know, I really don't think Marvin thinks that councillors can can help unless they're on his cabinet and they're his handpicked people.
1: At the same time, aren't you a member of a political party that's kind of founded on the the old school tie, really, that's sort of founded on the very definition of, of cronyism? I mean a recent example I don't know the the covid contracts which has obviously gone to court that that's sort of embedded in the in the culture of golden handshakes isn't it i mean matthew hancock and um dominic cummings you know they're all having to talk in front of a select committee at the moment yeah and, well
0: I, I haven't come across that personally um so i know only as much as as you, as you do in you know you read in the newspapers i, I you know i certainly certainly i don't go to one of the schools where you know Boris or or David Cameron or whoever else you know would uh, would look at my tie and, and <laughs> know that I was yeah, an old boy yeah. of a certain place. But um, you know, I, you know, you say that I, it, it's human nature. If you're given too much power, you do tend to slip down that slope. You know, if we look at Liverpool City Council, and you think, well, it's not just a, a conservative maybe tipping a contract to somebody or, or sort of saying, well, you know, uh, you know, have a go, see if you can do this. It's, it's through all parties. And that's one of the reasons I want to get rid of the mayoral system in Bristol, because I think there's too much power. There's not enough overview and there's not enough scrutiny.
1: And that's kind of one of your key policies is to have a referendum. If you do win, do you know when that would be? Do you have a sort of date in mind? Well, the
0: soonest it can be is 2024. So so at the end of this next term, so this next term is only three years, obviously, because it was postponed for a year. So we'll get back into the same cycle again. So so it would yep. mean that if I won, then I would be the mayor for three years. And during that time, hopefully we'd get enough votes either in council or on a petition where we would hold another referendum.
1: Is that a national policy in city mayors for Conservatives? Not that I know of. To abolish them or is this local?
0: That's, that's just local.
1: Because the Tories were the people that pushed were, the whole mayoral model yeah. through in the first place. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was it was David Cameron, and uh, yeah. it was a way to get uh, regionalisation, if you like, through the back door instead of um, you know regional assemblies and what you know
1: a Labour were trying to do earlier. What if you change your mind though? If, if obviously if it's not national policy, what if you change your mind? For oh, I really like this. You're enjoying it. The, the position <laughs> you know thinking oh i've got you know <laughs> yeah. i've got all this power all this power now and i can bypass the council yeah yeah I'm like, I'm
0: like, <laughs> i, I, I mean i think is, i would yeah. actually in the end i'd be saying, oh no are you sure you want to get rid of me um yeah.
1: but uh i mean joking aside is there not a point from the position locally if it's not a national policy obviously as discussed samuel has jumped to the metro mayor role yeah yeah which is is uh, it's Probably, dare I say, a slight admission that he thinks he can win as a metro mayor, perhaps more than he could as a city mayor. So, is there a is there a sort of strategy regionally whereby you're, you're quite confident to win the metro mayor candidacy, and then you will by doing away with the city mayor just in case you lose then you'll have kind of more unfettered control that's kind of one way the second part yeah. i guess is that i think, I think it's the... going to be it's going to be a bit of niggle isn't there it hasn't been a great relationship between tim Bowles and marvin between the toys and, and labor does it feel as if there's too many roosters in the hen house making decisions
0: there does there does i mean i don't buy your conspiracy theory there of you know what this is all
1: no no samuel's an ambitious man there isn't he samuel's an ambitious oh, man yes, I think yeah. he's realized I, I can get in i reckon he thinks he can win that better than he can win Bristol. Mayor. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, yeah. I didn't mean that. I meant the sort of yeah. more about you know this is this is just a plan to get
1: rid of the mayor so
0: that the oh, I see, be, I see. Yeah, yeah,
1: more yeah. powerful. So why now though? If, if it's if it's the position, why now? But not under George. Is it to do with the position or is it to do well, think, with the style? Well, of Marvin's leadership. Okay,
0: I mean just just sort of you know the, the history is that um, when when we wanted or when I wanted and we narrowly voted in as a city a city mayor we were in the position where we had quite a lot of the makeup of the council was not in overall control. We had Lib Dem leaders, and they were on a minority and so on. So what what actually the view was, decision making was bogged down. And we were having this election by thirds so it wasn't even as if you could have a stable four year term virtually every year apart from one of those four years you know there was an election so everybody was on election mode all the time and so you know there was a lot of backbiting a lot of a lot of difficulties that's changed we have all out elections now once every four years so we have a stable council for four years and the other the other thing was we didn't have a metro mayor and the idea of having the city mayor was that money would get funneled to the city as, as a sort of sub-region. But now the money's getting funneled through the metro mayor. So actually, we don't need a city mayor anymore.
1: Um, right. Let's talk. Mm. You know, the big, big talking point about Bristol. It's just been all over the, the national and even global media has been the protests. The first question to you is, has the mayor lost control of the city?
0: Um, luckily not, because the police are in charge of that, not the mayor. What what the mayor can do is is influence some of that. And I think that some of it's been unhelpful. Um, I mean, I, I would give absolute unequivocal support to our police and what they do uh, and what they've been doing over the last week. What, what we're seeing now coming out of it is that Labour, Lib Dems, the Greens – are starting to use this politically and saying, "Well, this, this bill, you know, that is going through Parliament. You know, no wonder people are getting uh, uh, annoyed about it."
1: You have no concerns about any of the police's uh, tactics in the last week?
0: No, no. They've, they, they, they.
1: A woman being punched in the face? They, that they, that
0: they, they, they have been um, amazingly restrained. Now there may be one or two amazingly
1: restrained. Really, yeah. you think? Yeah on Brilliant. even on college green on on tuesday yeah, night
0: yeah absolutely they had to do what they had to do I mean, you know the, there's the law and you know if you think well you can pick and choose which laws you 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 um you know going to uh either adhere to or not then then you know we've lost it basically absolutely lost it now you know i'm 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 sure there'll be one or two odd instances but you know let's let's face it this this wasn't you know, this wasn't just a protest of of you know normal sort of everyday Bristolians going down there and saying this. This was an organised anarchist group, and when they said a small proportion, it wasn't. There was there was a lot of them down there. They were just wanting action. They were wanting to goad the
1: police. In which you refer to the first where the, the police fans were burned. All three, all three. I mean, the second one at College Green was specifically for the the, the traveller community, wasn't it? Uh, and they were sat down, and they were they, it was peaceful until the moment that the police arrived. Yeah, but they were they were just sat down, weren't they? There wasn't any. I mean, you, oh, I think I, I think it's it's beyond debate. Perhaps in the first instance, there were you know certain scenes that you could see smashing at the police station, burning down the vans. But in that particular one in College Green, where there were people sat down, and then the police came over and herded them herded them across. Have you seen the footage?
0: I have, yes. I have.
1: And you think that's perfectly fine, all the the, the the police tactics?
0: The police did all they could to liaise with these people and ask them to move on in a lawful way. And then they then they just walk you know they just dispersed them. What else can you do? These people were breaking the law. They were they were you know this you know there were COVID laws out at that point. Okay, we've come out of that now. We'll have to see what, what sort of protests we get in the future. But they the reason they were doing it was so that they could get the police to do this. And the, what the, the police are doing what we as a society are asking them to do. We're asking them to uphold the law, and that's what they were
1: doing. Did you see the woman get punched in the face that was sat down? No, I didn't. With a shield? No, okay. I mean, there are, there are are there is quite a lot of well, footage. Why didn't she over, get up uh, and move on when she was asked to? <laughs> I think 16 Labour councillors and the Police Crime Commissioner candidate from the Green Party have come out and asked for an inquiry, police inquiry? Presumably, you don't think there should be? I
0: I honestly don't often get, you know, so worked up. When I saw that, I, I got really physically angry at this. You know, the police are doing a fantastic job. They have done a great job. This is just awful politics.
1: Well, you think you you think there'd be an opportunist then just by jumping onto this of to that so, yeah. issue by yes. suggesting, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So presumably, then, the statement from the mayor the statement the statement from Marvin Reese, who has been criticised in some quarters for not coming out and making, I don't think he's made any reference specifically to to the police tactics. Presumably, you agree with with Marvin's statement? Well,
0: I do to the extent that he has supported the police throughout, but on the other hand, he's sort of does sort of intimate that um, the the bill itself was flawed and therefore, you know, well, you know, what can you expect? But, you know, if you go down to a protest, which is called Kill the Bill, which, you know, I mean, there's no way that anybody with a right mind should should go. Those are people who want to go and hurt
1: policemen. Just to note that the slogan Kill the Bill is actually a reference to the legislation moving through Parliament, not the old bill, as in the police. Well, all of them. What, there aren't any peaceful... I mean, we saw people with daffodils. We saw people kind of sat down. I mean, there are, are, you know, legitimate challenges or legitimate issues about the bill that some people are protesting about.
0: Yeah, they shouldn't have been at those protests because the protest was illegal. We don't even know who the organisers are because they won't give their names or anything. So this is, you know... (laughs) Whoever goes down to a protest that says kill the bill, for me, you know, that's just beyond the pale. Not that they should get hurt, that they should get moved on and we should look at the law.
1: I will say here that threats of major fines were made to protest organisers under the coronavirus rules then in place meaning people are very unlikely to make themselves known. Let's talk about the bill then, Alistair, itself, Particular things that people are critical of. It's A lot of people don't realise that the bill is actually quite lengthy. Yeah. It yeah. covers quite a range of issues from prosecution of child sexual offences, things around dangerous driving, new provisions for sentencing, probation of criminals. I think the majority of people in the Commons, I think, agreed with elements of that. Where there seems to be a bit more, more challenge is around clauses 54 to 60, particularly around the public or... Order. issues around noise generated by persons taking part in a protest and amending the public order act 1986 to people that are this is a quote intentionally or recklessly causing public nuisance and the guilty of this offense which includes causing serious annoyance serious inconvenience which will mean liable to imprisonment for up to 10 years if convicted on indictment or 12 months if convicted Summarily, also the thing around statues you could be looking at 10 years in prison which is double what you would get for a GBH charge. And I'll read you a quote here. This is Labour MP Peter Kyle, who pointed out that effectively, I mean, and this is relevant to Bristol, obviously, with the the Colston statue. Effectively, you could throw a statue in Bristol Harbour and then turn around and throw a woman or a child into the water and you would be penalised more harshly for the first offence than the second. How how do you respond to that? Yeah, we all know
0: that's not going to happen. And that, I mean, this is, this is a maximum sentence, ten years. Um, perhaps that will get changed as the bill goes through Parliament. It, it is a bit um, excessive. I mean, nobody would ever get, you know, for for holding a protest, would get ten years in prison, or, or for pulling a statue down. But it it it's 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 a maximum. What what the particularly, the, you know some of the other parties are saying is as though you pull the statue down you get 10 years you know that that's ridiculous
1: I' tell you about the bristol cable we've been at the forefront of covering lots of the uh, bristol protests through this last couple of weeks if you want to continue to have journalists on the ground breaking new stories then you can get involved yourself by becoming a member of the Bristol Cable. If you go to our website, you can find out and you can chuck some money in each month, as much as you like, to try and keep independent journalism in the city. That part of the bill has clearly been brought in as a response to, to you know, Black Lives Matter events, climate change activists, Extinction Rebellion, the protest movement, Part of the bill, and obviously Bristol being at the centre of all this, to, to play sort of devil's advocate slightly, uh, there, there there is an argument on the right, and people that I know and on my sort of social media feed that are probably more sympathetic towards the Conservative Party stance on this. They feel that what happened with the Colson statue, Mayor Marvin Rees has given the green light. For activists, as you said earlier, anarchists, protesters to feel it's just fair game to come into Bristol. And they've come in from, you know, all corners of the city and beyond and outside because they feel actually they can do what they want here. So this bill is, is, is in effect a response largely to, to, you know, it's a national bill, obviously, but I think Bristol has framed the decision for this potentially to, to be enacted.
0: I I I think people have in mind that with with um, you know this this bill is about criminal damage and and uh, trying to stop protesters thinking that just because you're on a protest march you can do criminal damage to you know whether it's a cenotaph or whether whether it's a statue of some sort. I, I think what 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 Marvin said. I mean he he does say that that it was criminal damage and people should be prosecuted for it. Um, so you know, I agree with him on that point.
1: Did you agree with the police though? Did you agree with the police standing back and allowing I, the protesters not to, not, the police not to get involved?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I, I find it very difficult because it's an operation because you're,
1: because you're a big sport. You've said at the beginning you're a supporter of the I'm police, aren't you? So that's probably I, a difficult situation, difficult thing for you to.
0: And and you know, us us politicians pontificating about you know how they respond and what they do. You know they they've got a control center. They're watching. They they understand the situation. They've got drones up. I I see nothing of that. And you know at the end of the day, saying well, my goodness, the police should have gone in there and you know arrested those people before they had the chance. I I don't know. I, you know okay. I'm I'm sad. You know that's what happened. I think it was the wrong way for the statue to be taken down. But you know I I I do agree that you know. It was time for that statue to, to to go.
1: So you support the police for, in effect doing nothing, at the Colston protest, but you support them for going in as they did throughout all three protests. Is that our strange position? Whatever the police do, you would support them regardless. Uh,
0: I, I, I mean, I think that perhaps that you know, I, I wouldn't say that because there are times, and there have been times in the past when, um, you know, are our police force hasn't done as well as it could have done in a number of ways
1: when would that be when give me an example
0: um when would that be well <clears throat> i mean i i think if you look back in history uh lots there's lots of examples you know particularly to do with with um um you know demonstrations and so forth I, you know I was, I was watching that uh that program on on Black Power over the weekend. Which,
1: yeah, I saw that. That's funny enough, yeah, yeah. same. Yeah,
0: and, you know, th- I mean, there's obviously times there.
1: But then that, but at the time though, that at, at the time on those protests, you think Mangrove uh, protests, yeah. which Steve McQueen made a film out. At the time, all the media, national media, condemned the action of the protesters, and as as did the police, put out false information. You know, we have had some information whereby the police have put out a statement saying that there were broken limbs and a punctured lung, which turned out not to be true. Uh, I mean, I think the difference today
0: is that that um, you know we have much more transparency around these things. We we got much more video. We've 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 got uh, you know so we know much more about what's going on and why decisions are taken. Um, but you know, in, in the main, they're operational decisions. We we got a police and crime commissioner. Mm-hmm. As mayor of Bristol, my job is to uphold the law, or at least not it's not my job. Sorry, my job is to support those that uphold the law of of the land, and uh, and that's what I would do.
1: Mark, Mark Runnicker, the police inspector, said that I think before Tuesday night he'd consulted with the mayor before the uh, the tactics, police tactics going in to clear. The, the encampment on College Green. It's worth pointing out that there has actually been another protest in Bristol since you recorded this interview. This was carried out post-new coronavirus rules. There was no trouble at all from any protesters or indeed any heavy-handed tactics from the police. Let's uh, let's move on from, because we could talk about this yeah. to the yeah. caves come home. Let, let's mm. talk a bit more about some of the broader issues in the city. One of the key things, obviously, that the Conservatives talk about a lot is around money.
0: Yeah yeah. In fact it's, it's one of the reasons I've stood as mayoral candidate for the Conservatives because I'm really shocked by how much money has been wasted and is continuing to be wasted and the plans to waste more as as we go forward if Marvin is reelected. So I think I think you know traditionally conservatives have been better with public money um certainly at council uh, level and that's certainly where I would come from. I mean when you've okay. got a, a mayor who's now spending nearly a million pounds just on his own office, probably more actually. You know, he's got about 11 people working for him. George had one, uh, you know, and he's he's you know looking at these new companies. I came across a new one today actually when I when I was reading the business case for why these people are going to be tupied over into the Bristol Waste Company. There's a new company called Bristol Workspace Services. So he's going to try and sell services in facilities management through this company.
1: Isn't that something that the Conservatives isn't it a sort of a, like a private public model That I know it's quite, you know, it's quite blairite, I suppose, in its philosophy, but isn't that something moving services out from the public sector into more private hand isn't that isn't that something that's quite Tory in philosophy not that because because this, this
0: is not moving services out this this is actually saying we're doing these sort of services now let's offer those to other people
1: ah I see so it's almost like a Chinese model trading as a as an authority yeah yeah is So, as you know, because we've asked you to do the same, we have asked all the other candidates to come with a question yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. The question from the mayor. So it is on, it is on the specific on the issue of, of money. So this is it. Uh, word for word. Considering conservatives like to boast about their fiscal credentials... Uh, are you willing to admit the mayor was right to build the arena at the Brabazon is that what they call it Brabazon hangar Brabazon Brabazon, Brabazon that's Brabazon. it Brabazon hangar at nil cost to the public rather than the 167 million plan for Temple Island no okay <laughs> move on to the next one then no, no, expand on what, no, what, no, why I'll, alistair I'll,
0: I'll expand on that councils do need to spend some money on the right projects sort of vanity projects where you know you, and, uh, you know I'm, I'm not saying that You know, Labour and and George and the others have gone into these with the wrong intentions, like the Bristol Energy Company. Fifty million quid gone on that completely. Poof. You know, that's just money down the drain. Those were done with the right intentions of saying, you know, let's get into this commercial market. We can make some money and then we can use some of that money to to help other less uh, advantaged people in the city however it's wrong 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 because that's going into commercial markets putting risk on the council now the arena was a project that was going to cost some money but it wasn't that type of risk there was going to be an operator that operated it we would get money back over time it was it was a good investment now i know (laughs) i know what marvin says he says oh but think if we'd have done that and then this this
1: covid19 yeah that's the the, the thing isn't it yeah i
0: mean You know, just because something that hasn't happened for 200 years happens, you know, once, you know, and he says, well, look, that makes my decision right. It doesn't. You know, we need an arena. It was at the right place next to a a major rail interchange. Now we've stuck it out in South Gloucestershire. Well, it's not quite in South Gloucestershire. The Rabazin Hangar is actually slightly over the border into Bristol, but they'll have to come in through the South Gloucestershire entrance. But it means that people are going to have to get in their cars. Extra buses are going to have to be put on, and all the rest of it. But it, it just means that the city centre is 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 not the buzzing place it should be. And I think whilst he was umming and ahring over about four years of whether it should go there, I, he spent another twelve million pounds. You know, and I think he's indecisive.
1: Isn't it quite decisive to go against and brave as well? I mean, I know it fits into your argument of of lack of sort of democracy because it's not a case to say standing up against the tide and saying no, uh, we're not going to build the arena that's um that's quite decisive isn't it not
0: not 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 when it takes you three years and then you go the wrong way so that you know okay. with a flawed judgment all right, judgment. Okay. All right
1: <laughs> let's go to the next one and let's go to let's go to the next one let's go to sandy's from the green party yeah. candidate sandy hall rivens uh, he has said quite quite punchy question are you proud how the government has handled the pandemic um
0: i i don't go in for pride actually i'm i'm, I'm not a proud sort of person
1: if you if you if, if you... Do you think they've handled it well?
0: I, I think they've handled some parts well and some parts not so well. I think there will be um, an inquiry when
1: when the time is right and we'll see... What have they done well? Let's break that down then. What have they done well and what have they not done so well? I, th-
0: I think I think the vaccinations programme has been fantastic. Um, I think that's really been done well. And that took some brave decisions over a year, well, a year ago, to actually invest in in, in the vaccination programme you know, if 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 those vaccines have come through, and they're you know, it's never, never been done before to to produce a vaccine in these quantities, or even one that uh, that works in this sort of time scale.
1: What about the early part?
0: I th- I think that's a difficult call, and I, I you know I, I think history will will, and I think a historical perspective will have to be taken, because okay. you're balancing the economy with the virus and and the effects of that and you know, at the end, we might find that actually more people have been damaged by lockdowns than have died, perhaps a bit
1: prematurely. Caroline, this is the last one then. By Caroline, I of course mean the Liberal Democrat candidate, Dr Caroline Gooch. So Caroline has asked, do you think a 1% pay rise for nurses after all they've been through this year, probably totally exhausted, is enough?
0: Uh, no, I'm, th- I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed by that one, I suppose, um, for my government. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so no, I'd like to see a, a bit more. It's, it's, it's difficult times. I didn't get a pay rise last year. A lot of people in the private sector won't, but yeah, nurses and doctors, but then what about the police and the fire service? And I mean, I work for a waste company, you know, they, they were out collecting new waste all over this period, you know, and you know, they're putting yeah. themselves at risk.
1: Yeah, I, I I suppose nobody's been right on the front line. I suppose as much as medical staff. Do you think that was a bit of a PR own goal?
0: I think um, it was. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Lovely. Right. Let's move on to some more local issues. So, well, we've had questions suggested in and themes suggested in from some of the cable listeners, and that you know, housing, uh, climate change, transport are sort of three of the top things actually. So, maybe just give me three specific policies that you would you would bring forward.
0: You know, I, I think all of us would say that those were some of the, the big areas for Bristol or if not the biggest areas that we, we have to work on as mayor. So I've, I think the difference is, is, is how we would approach it. So let's look at housing. I think more ha- affordable housing needs to be built in Bristol for key workers particularly. My model will be to work with uh, developers more and housing associations to unlock some land, and get those moving and get 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 a lot built as as quickly as possible. I think the difference there from from say the model that the current mayor has is that he he sees it as more of a sort of let's build them ourselves through the Gorham homes again I you know that that we might be able to build a few council houses that way, but we've really got to do more than that and we've got to use the resources of the private sector and we've got to to make sure that they're focused on the, the affordability of houses that we want. On transport, I would work with the regional mayor uh, much more closely than uh, perhaps Marvin has. This idea of uh, a Bristol underground, I see it's on on Marvin's posters, is way... way... (laughs) Way it's just completely bonkers. Um, Is is that just a bit of electioneering? uh, It must be, mustn't it? I mean, you know, even even in the best estimates, we're talking at least fifty. It's a
1: great idea, I think. I just don't know how actually achievable it is, and why it's it's been the name now. Completely
0: unachievable, and and you know, unless unless central government. And I mean, this is for the regional mayor anyway. It's not for Marvin. I I don't hear any policy statements from um, Dan Norris for for Labour. They're all coming through Marvin. And actually, this is Dan Norris's territory. He should be announcing transport.
1: Because the Bristol Mayor has no authority over transport. That is the Metro Mayor's role, isn't it? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, the the Bristol Mayor has has influence over the decisions taken by the Metro Mayor. But, you know, the money's coming through through the Metro Mayor.
1: I think it's the one issue that a lot of people... That I know that moved to the city from outside just say that you know it's, it transports never it's never been great. No one's really ever solved it, despite some gallant efforts at different stages of most of my life. But so what? What? What could you do to finally solve this this, this big issue in, the city, in Bristol? Yeah.
0: If, if I could, if I could solve that in three years, I, I think everyone would vote for me. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. because it, it it is shocking, and you know we we do need mass transport systems. And that's not yeah. going to come through an underground system. Well, not not for decades to come. So, you know, the Wecker have put together some plans for this, and and we need to get the rail networks going again—the Henbury Loop and and the, the line out to to uh, Seven Beach and getting that going. The Portis headline. you know, we, yeah. we we do have some mass transit systems there which could be brought in, but we we're going to have to rely on bus transport, you know, and maybe you know look at light rail. And that's all in the plan. And I, I think that's achievable. But we've got to really work hard as a whole region to get that in place. This sort of hub and spoke type thing where we have perhaps smaller buses bringing people from some communities into
1: to larger hubs and, uh, okay. and move people fast. OK, cool. Uh, housing, one of the affordable housing targets wasn't hit by <laughs> the mayor. Even, even though
0: in his literature he said it was.
1: He did, yeah, that's right. Uh, 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 did you do you have a target yourself? You, how many and when? Dare you dare you give a uh, a specific target? No,
0: no I don't. I, I want to build a lot. And how can I give? A target? It's, a bit, it's
1: a bit vague, isn't it? Come on, a lot,
0: a lot. Come on. how can, how can no. I give a target? I I can't see the finances. I. Housing revenue account you know leveraging that i mean there's there's a
1: lot of big It's the argument that the mayors given isn't it that they were they were overly optimistic and bold and ambitious and they probably gave <laughs> the, the target too high yes.
0: and, and, yeah? and and of course now he's not being overly ambitious by wanting an underground system
1: okay um would you do away with the one city boards yep you would totally. okay uh, why and what would you replace it with <laughs>
0: That there, there is a democratic institution called the council and councillors. Now, that's not to say that, that we wouldn't be um, consulting with all these people in, in various ways, but democracy comes through the council and those elected representatives of the council. So, yeah, you know, I'm not saying they wouldn't be spoken to. We'll have sessions and, and they can advise, but uh, but yeah. No, they
1: got. Was was the old system a bit? I mean, the argument being the old system was a bit slow to get anything done, and finally we've got all the sectors from the you know third sector, the the public sector, and the private sector all working together. In you know, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm you know, I'm in the mayor's <laughs> office now. You know, working together for the greater good of yeah. Bristol, world class, world class people yeah. in the right direction. You don't buy any of that, no.
0: These are people with self-interest. They come together, fine. I've got no problem with that. They're pressure groups. They're, you know, they're, they've got their own axe to grind. They're putting plans together, but plans don't mean action, and it, you know, action has been completely lacking over the last five years. Okay. So we want to get okay. some action together, not just more and more
1: plans. Climate change, then the, the environment and climate change has never been something hugely associated with the Conservative Party. Yet you are someone who. You're kind of promoting your environmentally kind of friendly policies and sustainability and protecting green space.
0: Don't you remember David Cameron going to the Arctic Circle and, you know, saying that we're going to be the
1: uh, Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? The, that's the, right. Well, the yeah, yeah. that's it's that a long time ago now, doesn't it? it, it has, yeah, it yeah.
0: But Boris comes out with that and, and, and actually, you know, we're we're gonna set up a whole a whole office okay. which is gonna be the environmental um so we're we're gonna start to monitor all all our environmental performance and an improvement throughout the uk so you know i think i think the the conservatives are more environmental than the larger parties or i, I know the greens would probably say no no we've we we can do a bit better than that but yeah they but, probably uh, would with those sort of you know yeah. more mainstream um than uh, yeah. yeah but you know i've been an environmentalist for for decades and decades really yeah yeah i mean
1: in what way what have you done well
0: i mean when when you go back to i mean i'm just talking personally now but you know yeah i mean i read rachel carson's book and silent spring when i was at university my wife did a degree in environmental sciences at East anglia yeah i was one of the first people to convert my car from from leaded petrol to non-leaded i've got panels on my roof for the last 10 years with solar energy i've got a, an electric car that i drive
1: really wow you know, maggie maggie would be turned in a grave at this wouldn't <laughs> she an environmentally friendly progressive conservative what's going on there's lots of us around lots and lots of us. really yeah, yeah okay yeah, interesting and is that i guess that's a good fit for the for, for bristol isn't it which obviously has quite a i would say you know climate climate change is quite high up, high up you, the yeah. agenda
0: and, and, uh, you know i was i was a member of uh, bristol green capital Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or the, the Green Capital Partnership before we had the year as as Green Capital. In fact, if some of it fell within my my Lord Mayoral year, so um, um, you know that's been uh, been good for me, and I've I've been there, done
1: that. I know we said earlier about who your leadership style is like, because yeah. obviously I think you know and I've jested about it a little bit, but there is sometimes I think particularly amongst young people a, a stereotype of what a Tory MP or a Tory councillor or even a Tory voter is. Um, and that can be quite lazy stereotyping at once. And I do know that there is quite a range and quite, you know, people talk about a broad church in the Labour Party. It's actually a, quite a broad church in the Conservative Party. So where do you stand if you're as a scale of left and right? Where, where would you kind of be? And
0: I'm, I, I, I will say to people that I'm socially liberal um, and I am um, uh, economically very free market orientated. okay Uh, and and you know red tory would you be a
1: red tory then (laughs) no no
0: somebody described me once as a pinko tory but
1: (laughs) okay all right okay like that pinko tory yeah presumably then if you are do you wince a bit at some of the policy decisions at the moment i mean some people could argue it's one of the most right-wing you know governments for for a long time i think it's a real
0: mixture of a government actually and yeah there's some some things that i win wince a little bit at but you know i think yeah. i think we all do and and you know you're absolutely right that it's a broad church and both both the two main main parties are very very broad churches when you look at them
1: did you vote for brexit
0: i didn't i voted to to, to remain
1: you did okay um okay. why why <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. I'm, I'm, without they take four hours to answer yeah, this because uh, i know that. this could go on and on yeah, let, yeah.
0: let me just say i i voted um yeah. because of the I, I believe that the economics uh, of it were better okay. for the country. Um, the other parts, I yeah, I was one way or the other. Actually, you know, you know what I did? I asked my sons and I said, look, it's not really going to affect me that much, yeah. whether we're in or out. What do you want me to vote for? And they said they'd like to stay in Europe. So I voted stay in Europe.
1: I mean, Bristol dominantly voted to remain in the European Union, but we have quite strong pockets in South Bristol of people that did vote Brexit. And I think at the last mayoral election, there was something around 7,000-ish that voted for UKIP. Do you see um, you being able to pick up those votes um, in the city? I, oh, I I mean, I guess as, yeah. as well as picking up some of the more conservative, more kind of progressive sort of people that may be in other parts of the city that, you know, like you, you know, it, it cuts across Tory and Labour, isn't it? They may have voted Remain traditional kind of, uh, maybe some of George's supporters. You know, are you I, looking I, to pick I, I mean, up both? And, so. and how, how it, do you?
0: You know, when when you start to look at this, it, it, yeah, it, you, you can make a case for, for either.
1: There are, you know, there are a number of key people in South Bristol that don't feel part or and parts of North Bristol, yeah. not far from you, South Mead and Hem, um, don't feel part of this liberal bubble, Romaniac mm. thing in the city. Do you know what
0: yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, true, true
1: and all of them you know I would say that's probably Bristol's red wall you know it, it, as we've seen in a general election that white working class people are voting Tory uh, for the first time since the 1930s so can you see that happening in, in, in Bristol?
0: I, I think I can uh, to an extent yeah who knows I mean <laughs> each election these days seem, seems to bring a surprise so uh, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't discount it um, I, yeah. I I think certainly the, uh, the kill the bill protests might also have an effect um particularly in those communities about who they vote for as well
1: you mean they'll go they'll go more right because they'll feel fed up with
0: yeah they'll stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean and, and whether it's true or not you know the whoever's the leader at the time gets blamed for for what's happening so uh, at that point
1: yeah. yeah um obviously there's a good 30 odd days and people vote for George yeah. do you see that as as, as somewhere where you can make real inroads?
0: Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still a friend of George's. Actually, I've been in touch with him recently. And
1: uh okay, yeah,
0: I, I think an awful lot of the votes he got. I mean, you know, he's he's a an incredible environmentalist, and uh so you know, some of those votes will go green, I would suspect. But I also yeah. think that he was lent quite a lot of of the what would traditionally be conservative votes. Um, yeah. So you know. I, uh, you know, I wouldn't. You know, Sandy is is saying, "Oh, we'll get all those in as green votes." I don't think that's going to be. You don't.
1: I and mean, he's also said that he's the only person that can beat uh, Marvin. <laughs> I, I presume, <laughs> presumably, you disagree with that, Alistair. Well, it's
0: wrong, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong. Okay, because yeah.
0: I'm I'm the only one that can beat Marvin. Yeah. And when when yeah. you look at look at where the Green Party support is, you know, there's yeah, they're not they're not going to get
1: anywhere near. Bit fringe, bit fringe. Perhaps yeah, Some fringe. Yeah, yeah, city. Really. Yeah,
0: I mean, if if people knew what they stood for, you know, they probably would even run away even quicker. But uh...
1: where's that confidence coming from 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 the Greens then? Because obviously, in, in terms of the data, they only got ten thousand. It's always got double, double the amount that, of things, yeah, yeah. and let alone, let alone what George got.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's well, where, range. Where,
0: where's it coming from? They they've got nowhere else to go. Basically, I mean this this. They're putting a lot of effort in. They're even buying um, adverts on buses and, and so forth, because
1: yeah.
0: you know it's it's their only shot. It, it's like what they did in Bristol West. They they were all for saying that they were going to win Bristol West off uh, Thang and Debonair and look what that—crashed and burned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so no, I mean they're going for it. You know they they're well funded, much better funded than we are yeah why yeah, yeah. is
1: that because obviously the conservative party have got more money nationally than the greens why why have they got a bigger sort of marketing budget than the new guys then
0: be, because our money is spread so thinly and and, okay. and they're concentrating on one or two that they think they may have a chance to win so you know they they can put 20 grand into this campaign or whatever it might be and you know we've we've got five thousand to spend over the period or something
1: you know um what about there Maybe some people that will vote for you or the liberal democrats because they don't want a mayor anymore they're angry uh uh, you know this uh, same in the same regard that in the brexit vote it went across parties this could happen this time you could pick up a lot of votes why should people vote for you and not the lib dems and could that split it is there a danger of that
0: well there's the uh, you know the 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 reason they should vote for me is because the Lib Dems have even less chance of winning than the the Green Party would have. So, so they're seven thousand
1: last time they got there. Yeah,
0: yeah. If if uh, you know, if I don't get into the top two and we have a runoff, then uh, I am going to get.
1: So it's uh, a waste of a vote, then, is it? Vote into oh, Lib no, Dems. actually. I mean,
0: and, yeah. and and the good thing about this election is there is the the second preference vote, so so people can vote Lib Dem. And we know that they won't get in the top two. So their second preference vote will be then um, either given to Marvin or myself, if we're the two that that are left. So, so you can yeah. vote Lib Dem and then vote me second. So you've got both bases covered.
1: Yeah, it does make it more interesting, doesn't it? Mm. It does mean that people have to think a little bit more. One of the key factors is obviously with COVID restrictions. And if you say you've been affected by or you don't have as big marketing budget as, as the Greens, are, am I right in thinking that all political parties aren't knocking on doors at the moment? I know that's something that Labour have pushed out, but it's not strictly true.
0: Oh, no, we're knocking on doors. I was out, you I are. Was, I was out canvassing Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon.
1: I, yeah. I think at the same time, politics is played out a lot more on social media as well. You know, marketing is not just about old fashioned door knocking. It's also about your, your kind of online presence. This is a cheeky question, but I've looked at your Facebook and your Twitter reach. You've got six hundred and seventy-one <laughs> followers on Twitter, and I think it was about forty odd likes on Facebook. How uh, can somebody without that much online have that kind of impact beyond your kind of base? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I take your
0: criticism, and and it—that
1: uh, was an observation, observation, uh, uh, <laughs> not, not, not criticism.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. yeah. well, you would criticize me if you if you were my PR Okay, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I. The, the, the problem I've got is coming into this quite late, and sure. and uh, yeah. you know starting off in mid February, you know, I, trying trying to get all the policy stuff together, the manifesto, going out, doing the canvassings. It, yeah, I mean it's it's just me. I don't you know I don't have a team of sort of six
1: people. Thank you ever so much, Alistair. I've, I've, I hope you've enjoyed that. I, I have actually been really nice chat.
0: Yeah, very good. Yeah, always nice to chat to you, Neil. Thank you.
1: Lovely. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Cheers. That was Alistair Watson, Conservative candidate for Bristol Mayor. Next week, we have Sandy hall Rubin, the Green Party candidate do subscribe to bristol unpacked you can get us on acast apple spotify and wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening to bristol unpacked i'm neil Mags, and a big thanks to rosa eaton our audio producer adam Cantwell corn our executive producer and blue dot for our music make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and if you want to support what we're doing join the bristol cable along with 2000 others to create a new kind of media for the city